I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to The Tinderbox. We are the podcast for Matchsticks and Gasoline. Calgary Flames website for SB Nation. It's Mark, Maddie, Gordy, Michael, all here this afternoon as we have had enough time to take a deep breath after what happened against Dallas. Then take another deep breath, get angry again, take another deep breath, get angry again. And we're going to talk hockey today. So um, everybody, how we doing? Thanks for uh, joining. And uh, how's, uh, how's things going in everybody's part of the world? We're going. Going. Michael, how you doing? I know Michael's all ramped up. I was just reading his roundtable comments, so he's uh, he's good to go. I think, and it sounds like Gordy's putting a tent up or um, building a lawn chair or something over there. What's everybody doing this afternoon? No, okay, we'll jump right in. So uh, <laughs> that's a great start. It's been so long since we podcasted, we just don't answer questions. Um, so this week in the media, Eric Francis, everybody's least favorite Calgary beat writer, I think, um, kind of put out a couple of columns. One was the, it's time to move on from Johnny Gaudreau. And the other one was Johnny Gaudreau needs to accept more, like needs to accept more blame for his role in, you know, Calgary's playoff failures. I, I'm paraphrasing there. Um Anybody want to jump in on this before I throw my opinion in? Um, I know Eric Francis is definitely a lightning rod. He just likes to throw things out there and kind of get everybody going. But um, is he wrong? Um, should Johnny Gaudreau be accepting more of a role for Calgary's losses in the playoffs? Uh, Michael, what are your thoughts? I mean, I'd say yes. I still don't think he's been the biggest issue. And I think he's just easy to get. Or he's just like the trendy thing for everyone to kind of get behind as the guy to blame for the losses. I don't think he should shoulder all of the blame. Of course, he's never been as good in the playoffs as he has been in the regular season. But, um, yeah, no, I think Francis is just looking for the he, – he likes the headlines that, like, jump to the front of the page. Everyone clicks on it. So, I don't know. I think this is just another one of his uh, classic moments. Gordy? Yeah, I think uh, Eric's just been copying and pasting that same article since Goudreau's rookie season ended. So, I mean, it's it, it's it's kind of a tiring storyline here, honestly. Like, he's like he's a great player. Calgary went through however many years of misery of you know no significant scores, and you know you get a ninety nine point guy, and you know certain writers seem to just have been riding him out of town from day one. Has anybody ever seen Darren and Eric Francis in the same room together? (laughs) (laughs) Just just a random thought. Maddie, I know you probably have two opinions on this because Flyers-related opinion and a Flames-related opinion, but what are your thoughts on Eric Francis and his crusade against one uh, Jonathan Hockey? (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I definitely have some complicated feelings about this one. there does feel like there's a smidge of that like heartbreaking worst person you know just made a great point uh going on there in that like 
yeah, this is his brand and I don't generally love this take from him, but like there is a little bit of truth to it. I mean, I know like we saw a similar thing with uh, Mitch Marner and the Leafs in their exit interviews where he's like, nah, I thought I had a great series um, when it objectively wasn't awesome. And I think it's fair for people to get upset about that kind of comments, especially when, uh, as we'll see or talk about a little bit later, that you do have guys who are like, I was playing on one leg and a separated shoulder for the entire playoffs, but I still think I could have done more. Um, Yeah, so I think it would be nice to see a bit more, like, self-awareness. from Gaudreau in those comments, but at the same time, like, I don't think he's the biggest problem. So, no, um, I, and at the end I, of the day. Uh, no, Maddie, I think you and I share a pretty similar, actually, if not same, almost identical opinion, is, like, I think he definitely needs to do more. Is he the biggest problem on that team? Probably not. Um, I do wish, though, he would step up and take some ownership of that stuff. You know, typically, your best players, if they don't play well, will tell you, hey, I sucked. I didn't play well at all. And I think the telling comment from him in that was, you know, he's like, no, I thought our line played pretty well for the most part. And again, paraphrasing, it was like, dude, you didn't, though. You guys, you scored, but every goal you scored, you didn't score anything even strength in the playoffs. And we can get to that once we start talking about the series. But um, I do think, you know, he does catch the brunt of the criticism. And maybe that's what happens when you're a star hockey player on a team. Um, and he's not even in, I mean, could you imagine if he was failing like this, Maddie, in Philadelphia or in New York or in Boston, Chicago, you know, Toronto, a large, large media market. I think the, the press would be even worse on him. But, um, you oh, know, yeah. I did. I, and I think, you know, Eric Francis is what he is, but I also, he tweeted something out and he was getting roasted by everybody. And I kind of just respond. I'm like, he's not wrong though. You know, like Goudreau should step up and be like, Hey, I need to be better in the playoffs. I mean, if you look at um, Johnny Gaudreau's playoff stats in 30 games, he has eight goals and 11 assists. Um, he's a minus eight. He's just, and he's got uh, five power play goals. You know, that's it. Like, so of his eight goals, five are on the power play. You know, he needs to be more effective at even strength in the playoffs if Calgary is going to do anything. With that said, not obviously the biggest problem with the Flames. Um now, a player who actually stepped up for Calgary and decided that he would take the blame for everything today was Matthew Kachuk. Uh, Wes Gilbertson had some quotes attributed to him today, and I'm going to, um, you guys will bear with me here for a couple minutes. I want to read what Kachuk said because he basically stepped up and said, you know, enough. I'm tired of hearing about Goudreau and Monaghan. Um, so he says, I just couldn't believe some of the criticism some of the guys on my team were getting and getting the blame for this, especially the criticisms towards Johnny Imani. It makes me sick. It really upsets me and pisses me off. Everyone is upset at them for offensive production. Well, they produced more offense than me, so put the blame on me. I didn't do nearly enough to help get this team over the top when I was in the lineup, and that's what hurts us most. It really upsets me to see some of the criticism of those guys being unbelievable players and great players in this league, and even more important, great friends. So it really upsets me. But I think as leaders and the core players in general, myself mainly, but our best players didn't do enough to get us over the top into that next round and into a run. And that's frustrating. Um, I'm sorry. There's your next captain. I mean, we've been saying it for a long time, but a guy who gets hurt plays with a concussion, gets speared in the giblets, um, you know, didn't do anything against Dallas because he couldn't play is blaming himself. Uh, yet we have players for Calgary on the ice that played that entire series who are like, eh, it wasn't so bad. Um, 
Anybody want to jump in? Uh, Matthew Kachuk, clearly the next Flames leader, but how does he take the blame for things like that when he wasn't even there? Gordy. Yeah, like, I don't know. That's a that's a big thing to step up and speak like that to, you know, not only defend your teammates, but to deflect the blame onto yourself. And, you know, like, that's that's exactly what a, what a leader says, how you want him to act. And, you know, he's only you know 22 years old I think he's really taking the team on his back there and you know you see the video of him sinking his head into his hands as that game started to fall apart like that's just you can tell he's just he's really emotionally invested in this team and its success and I think that's I think emotion and you know dedication is, is something that I think a lot of fans miss on the faces of Goudreau and Monaghan when stuff's going badly and they're they kind of give their, you know, by the books answers and, oh, we got to be better. Like, that, that's why, you know, when Francis says Goudreau needs to take more blame, well, like when you hear Goudreau take the blame, it, it just doesn't resonate. It just doesn't seem genuine as, you know, this, these quotes from Kachuk truly sound. Yeah, I don't think you'd ever see any of those other guys take their mask off and throw it in the <laughs> in the press box because he's so pissed with, like, how the team's playing. And part of it probably, or I guarantee you, part of it, 90% of it is, I should be out there with my team. Maddie, what do you think of Matthew Kachuk's statement? I know you're just yeah, hearing it for um... like the first time. So, you know, I apologize, <laughs> but you know. <laughs> no, I've been, uh, yeah, extremely offline today, but no, I, that, that's like Gordy said, that's a big thing to do. And like, especially for a young guy and just in general, like where, you know, in a sport where the culture seems to be very much, when you're talking to the media, you're saying things, but you're not really saying things. It's all just canned answers. And um, that's just kind of what the deal is. So there's just like so many levels for me of him stepping up and kind of exceeding expectations in, in that regard. So um, yeah, I, I think I'm still processing it to a certain degree, but um, yeah, that, that feels pretty huge. Michael, your thoughts. Matthew Kachuk, clearly the, the future leader of the Flames, right? Yeah, there's really no way around it. He's been pretty much since he came onto the team, he's become the heart and soul of them right from his rookie season through to kind of taking over, becoming a pest around the league. But, um, yeah, I think it shows a real, like, maturity for him, especially because he didn't even play most of the series to uh, still come out and really – defend his teammates and even throw himself under the bus a little bit, which I don't think a lot of people are rushing to criticize Matthew Kachuk. So to see him really take a lot of that brunt force of the people looking for someone to criticize on this, I think it was really impressive. And yeah, like you were saying, it's, I don't think we need to have a discussion anymore, whatever Geo's done or goes or whatever. I think you're going to see that C slapped on his jersey within 10 minutes of Geo being out the door one way or the other. Yeah, and I think what's telling for him, too, is like, I feel like when he speaks, he means what he says. You know, there's always players speak like I, you know, Gaudreau had the comment the other day. He was like, no, I love the team. I love my teammates. I love the city. I love the fans. Calgary is a place I want to, you know, I'd love to play my whole entire career. And it brings me back to that scene from Slapshot where um, I'm going to. This is horrible, and I can't remember the goalie's name, but, like, Reggie Dunlop's telling him what to say on the phone, and he's, like, talking to the owner, and he's like, trade me right fucking now. You know, like, I feel like when a player says, oh, yeah, I definitely want to be here for the rest of my career, that means I don't want to be here for the rest of my career. Um, you know, I always feel like that's player speak for, like, please, just trade me and get me the hell out of here. But I feel like when Kachuk says stuff, he actually means it. 
Um, there's there's power behind it. There's emotion. There's feeling behind it. And like you said, you could tell. And like he played two games out of the six game series and took said put it all on me. I'll take the blame. And it's like, no, dude. Like like he wasn't having the most amazing offensive you know playoff series, but he played with heart. He played with emotion. He was physical. He did the things he needed to do while he was out there. And I just, I mean, I don't, and I think he really means it. I think if a player said, yeah, put it on me, whatever, you know, I can see players saying that just to get the media off other guys' backs. But I really think he means put it on me. I'll shoulder this. And that's a guy that leads your team. I don't think I've ever heard once heard Gio come out and be like, yeah, no, put it on me. I'll take it. This is my fault. I didn't have my boys ready. I mean, maybe I'm wrong in that. Does anybody care about that or do we want to put the post game or post season comments to bed anybody got any thoughts they want to add i'll take that as no i think you yeah i think you nailed it all right so let's move on um let's talk about um what happened against the dallas stars i mean dallas is uh still playing very well so you know maybe dallas is better than we all you know maybe gave them credit for but um it just seemed like Calgary was playing their game for a couple games. And then all of a sudden that Dallas switch just turned on where it got slow. They were, they started to match the flames physicality and then just, it all fell apart for the flames in their seven to three loss. Um, anybody uh, who wants to jump in first, uh, Maddie, we'll go right back to you because your face is right in front of me. So um, <laughs> what, are, what are your thoughts on Calgary's um, demise against the stars? Yeah. Uh, that was pretty brutal. Um, and like you said, I, I definitely think we probably didn't give the stars enough credit. Um, I mean, watching them this round against the avalanche, I am still surprised by what they're, uh, doing, but yeah, I think you kind of mentioned this in our like pre-pod talk that this kind of just felt like the regular season where you get that sort of maddening inconsistency and they can't really find a way to snap out of that. I think, yeah, it just, it just like really wasn't a stylistic match. And I don't think the flames really responded well to what Dallas was doing to sort of agitate them. Um, and it, it's just a real shame. I think. Michael, what do you think happened against Dallas? Besides, they didn't um, play well. I might actually go a little bit the other way with that and say that I think the Flames actually matched up pretty well against Dallas for the first couple of games, but then a shocker that as soon as Matthew Kachuk went on the lineup, the team just fell apart both like defensively and really struggled to get anything going on the offensive end of the ice. And when you think back to, like, he left the game too early, that ended up being a one-goal loss. He was in game four where the team was defending lately. Like, he would have been on the ice in all these huge situations. And I would say that's the biggest turning point in the series. Like, people are defending the Jets saying, oh, they lost their best two players. I would say the Flames maybe aren't getting enough uh, benefit of the doubt that they did lose their best player for the last four games of the series. And who knows, maybe he could have righted the ship a little bit in game six as well or been on the ice before in game five. Like, I think um, – I think if Matthew Kachuk was healthy, the Flames win the series. Just full stop. That's my opinion of the matter. Fair enough, Gordy. I'm I'm never one who kind of goes down this alley and and blames like this type of thing. But I really think more than anything, the Flames were just horribly coached against Dallas. 
And I mean, you know, mm-hmm. the, the the obvious one was was pulling Talbot in the deciding game, which like I, I don't know how you justify that because none of the three goals I think were particularly weak. You know, if 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 that was his justification, why didn't he pull him in game one when you know back to back horrible goals went in on Talbot nine seconds apart? Why didn't he pull him then? And then you know other stuff like the fact that Gaudreau and Monaghan I don't think were separated the entire playoffs despite producing essentially nothing at five on five the entire playoffs you know Bennett Dubé Lucic were good but he put them on on some times where they shouldn't be on the ice like they're not a defensive line so putting them on with you know 40 seconds left for that winning goal in game two is it was just a bad decision I think you know Jeff Ward really showed his you know his maybe he was a little bit out of his league in that regard and I think I think that was a huge factor in the Flames' downfall. Yeah, Gordy, I think that is an extremely valid point, and that's one of the, we have a roundtable coming out um, probably on Friday. And I was, you know, we asked should Jeff Ward be back, and I think really Jeff Ward's shining moment that says maybe you're not an NHL coach was that move. Um, and you could then, you know, the 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 Bennett Lucci to Dubé call is a great one as well. But um, yeah, I think the Talbot thing was an absolute nightmare because then Riddick came in and Riddick hasn't played since the Edmonton scrimmage where he wasn't particularly great. And then he got, you know, lit up and it was it was it two goals on nine shots or something like that. Then he gets yanked and Talbot comes back. It just looked like the I don't know what I'm doing anymore, you know, and he's just throwing stuff at the wall. And I get it like you're you know, you got a three nothing lead. and You're like, oh, this is good. The Flames look awesome. And then all of a sudden it starts to. Oh, there's one, then it starts to road, then it's two, and then it's three. And I don't blame Talbot, too, because, like, he left the ice to deal with his emotions in the locker room because, like, I get it. He's mad he's letting his team down, but he's got to be pissed at Ward for pulling them, too. Like, Calgary is where they are because of his play. And then we can jump into the next three if you want. But I just – yeah, uh, Gordy, that's a great point. And I just – I think you saw that Jeff Ward – even the fact that Jeff Ward admitted he would come back as an assistant if they needed him to. I don't know anybody who's interim coach that's had that taste of being a head coach that's like, ah, if you want to make me an assistant, I'll come back and be an assistant. You know, to me, that's – I think that says all you need to know. That just sounds defeatist to me. Um, but, yeah, I, I think a lot went right for Calgary in that series, but there was too much of weird wrong for them to get past Dallas. And you know how Dallas is. Once they settle in and they get to play their game, they're a hard team to beat. I mean, that's Colorado right now. I mean, that's an offensive machine out there, and Dallas is handling them fairly well. Um, I guess last thing uh, for the for the playoff part of this, um, was everybody surprised that Calgary's best line was the Lucic-Dubé-Bennett line? Um, we'll, again, we touched upon Sam Bennett in our roundtable, so I don't want to get too much into him. But great that they were awesome but you're not going anywhere if your third line is your best line does anybody want to argue that point michael yeah i think i would say while they were the best line probably relative to our expectations for them i still think like mark said they're not really going to go anywhere if that's the line that they expect to be carrying them in the postseason um I mean, we've seen flashes from Dubé now for a couple of regular seasons, but it was really nice to actually see him put it together. Like, especially about the first couple of games in the series, he really took it over. That first game against the Stars, we had those two early goals, and he just looked like a different player, I would say, since they got into the bubble, even pre from the regular season. So I was impressed by him. I mean, Bennett, we can talk about that for hours, like playoff Sam Bennett, regular season Sam Bennett. I don't want to get there, like go into that again because it's frustrating. And then, like, Lucic, like, I think if Lucic can play that kind of level in the playoffs, like, 
he's better than whatever James Neal would have done for us. So, I mean, like, I was really happy with that line. But, yeah, like you said, we can't, they're not going to win any games or they're not going to go far at all if, they, uh, if that's the line that's expected to carry them. Maddie, thoughts? Anything? or? Um, I definitely agree there. I think the one other thing that I was really thinking about um, during that series with that line, and um, I think I'm going to be talking a little bit more about that in a future article, Spoiler alert, I guess. Um, but what I think... Um, we call it with TV. We call that a big market tease. <laughs> Nailed it. But um, I think one thing that stood out that that line was doing really well was that they were, I think, more consistent than any of their other lines at carrying the puck into the offensive zone um, without, like, over relying on playing a sort of dump and chase style where they're just going to let themselves get forechecked to death by Dallas. Um, and I think the team in general is built to be a bit more successful in transition rather than trying to, you know, dump the puck in and establish a cycle. So I think that really helps them. Um, and I, I wish the other ones would have been doing a bit more of that, but I, yeah. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. That line is built a little more to dump and chase because they're bigger, they're more physical. Whereas, you know, Goudreau, Monaghan, Lindholm, or you know, that line's not dumping and chasing because if they dump, they're not going to chase. And then it's the puck's just coming out the other way. Uh, Gordy, any final thoughts on the Dallas Flames playoff debacle? Sorry, it was just a big lawn mower near me. One second. Can you guys hear that? Or is it... <laughs> yeah. Gordy's cutting the lawn. You're mowing the lawn while podcasting. That's awesome. <laughs> you can you can do two things at once. I love it. <laughs> all right. Sorry. Yeah. My dog was barking because we got mail. Your your lawn mower's going. It's all good. We you know, we all have lives, right? Uh, yeah. But anyway, I think uh, I think Dubé and Bennett were both really nice revelations for the for the Flames this playoffs. But I think it was. Lucic especially that really showed what that team's missing and Lucic is far and away like he has the most playoff experience he's done you know kind of the ring over and over like a guy like Giordano even who's a you know a more than a veteran I think he'd only played like 11 playoff games or something coming into yeah. this so like it, I think it just shows like even a guy like Lucic who just dragged through the mud for his skill his speed all that despite that he came in and was one of the Flames best players because he just you know it's it's a cliche but he just he just knows what it takes when you get to that next level and I think you know losing in these hardships really really are what builds the the need to be a better playoff team I feel like almost like Lucic and Bennett if the Flames keep them they should just shelve them in a glass case for like the regular season and it just says break in case of playoffs and then you take them out and you put them <laughs> on the ice because that's where they perform but um, that, that could actually be a whole nother podcast if we wanted to. So, all right. Well, we talked about Johnny Gaudreau versus Eric Francis, uh, Matthew Kachuk uh, taking the blame for everything, though he didn't play. And, um, you know, just kind of what went wrong in that series. And, you know, there were some things that were good. So let's not, you know, make it like a total disaster. But once again, it's this core of the Flames showing up in the playoffs and failing to go anywhere or do anything. And, you know, their top players looking miserable in the process. So we're going to take a quick break here on the Tinderbox. When we come back, we're going to talk a little goaltending with the Calgary Flames and also just to kind of look at the Flames season as a whole, um, what we think. And I think I can probably guess what we're all going to say. So we will be right back after some quick messages here on the Tinderbox. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to the Tinderbox. It's Mark Gordy, Michael Maddie this afternoon. We are talking Calgary Flames hockey. We are... Matchsticks and Gasoline, the Flames website for SB Nation. Um, let's jump right into goaltending. Um, who had Cam Talbot as the bet Flames' best playoff producer uh, in the playoff pool? Maddie, did you have him? Absolutely not. <laughs> Gordy, Michael, you guys, did anybody even see this coming? I mean, Mike Smith was the best player last year, so. (laughs) (laughs) Don't go back there. Um, Which is funny because Edmonton, um, our friends over at Copper and Blue, I believe they had a piece this, like, you know, should Edmonton go back to the retread and just bring Smith back this year because he was good. And it's kind of like what I wrote the other day, be like, maybe the Flames should just do the retread and bring Talbot back as well. Um, Michael, your thoughts on Cam Talbot's playoff performance? Because I thought for most of the playoffs, he was the best Flames player on the ice. Um, held them in games, um, kept Winnipeg and Dallas at bay. Yeah, he had some clunkers. It's going to happen in the playoffs. But I didn't see anything out of him, really, that screamed, oh, my God, get him out of there, put David Riddick in. Did you? Yeah, for me, I didn't really see anything that uh, really led us. Like, we saw him really come along, I think, over the course of the regular season. I would argue he was almost better the entire way. He just didn't play a lot to start there, but then as he slowly took over that, I think we could kind of see coming that he was going to be the starter, but I think no one really predicted him breaking out like he did in the postseason. And then, yeah, once we got there, like, um, I was very surprised by it. I don't really know how else to describe it. Like, I think one thing he really has going for him that maybe David Rick doesn't have is that he's just very calm in the net. He's very... He's, he's a very steady presence back there. And I think this team who has the confidence of, you don't even know how to describe it, like uh, one little thing goes wrong and everything collapses. Like I think having a guy like him back there really helps steady the ship, especially in the Jets series and then at various points against the Stars. Like I think I think I would bring him back if, if that's what we're eventually going to get around to just because he is so steady in the net for them. Yeah, I think that's a valid point. I mean, we all love David Riddick's fiery motion, right? We loved the poke check and then the stick toss against Edmonton, you know. And, and you know, I, I love a goaltender that shows a little bit of emotion when he, you know, breaks a stick when he's mad or whatever. We get that. Like, you know, to go all mad, we don't need him going like full Ron Hextall while he's out there. <laughs> but on the flip side, there is something to be said about a guy who's like, all right, look, I gave him a couple bad goals. Let's just relax. You guys do your thing. I'll I'll backstop it. We'll get there. And I thought Talbot just, I thought he did his job. I thought he was fantastic. And I, I, I did the column where, you know, should they have a second date? And I absolutely think they should. I would bring Talbot back and I wouldn't, I mean, you have to have the battle or whatever, but I would almost anoint him the starter and I'd make Riddick work for it. Uh, Maddie, what are your thoughts on that opinion? Am I way off base there? <laughs> 
No, I totally agree. Um, and I think especially considering that this isn't a super strong UFA class for goalies, um, you're either going to have like talent wise guys who are, you know, pretty much comparable to Talbot or uh, your upgrades would be just asking for so much money. Um, so I think it makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think he certainly earned like an extension, but I think just practically speaking, it, it makes a lot of sense. Gordy, your opinion on uh, Cam Talbot playoffs? Yeah, I thought I was very surprised with Talbot. Um, I just felt a lot of the time like I was he was a very steadying presence back there. I think he made teams beat him rather than letting stuff in. But I'm I'm a little like I really liked him. I thought he was superb, and I would bring him back. But I would bring him back. I think as kind of a last resort, a kind of final option. And I I agree with Maddie. Whereas the free agent market for goalies this year isn't great. I I would not want to pay Holtby, you know, whatever he's going to want because you know since Barry Trotz has left Washington, he is he's looked terrible. Yeah. But there is a lot of kind of there's a lot of good goalies in that nice age range uh on the trade market right now and you know Tristan Jari and Matt Murray are, could be both good options Jim Rutherford's clearly in the mood to trade I think Columbus <laughs> probably will have to move one of Corpus Allo or Merzlikens I think one of those two could be interesting you know I don't know about this one but you know Freddie Anderson apparently is you know kind of on the ropes in Toronto, you know, we all see the Marc-Andre Fleury stuff. So I think there's more than ever, there's a lot of goalies kind of on the market right now and a lot of teams wanting to make trades after, you know, getting bumped from this playing round and stuff. I think you, if I'm Brad, I'm, I'm trying to m maybe make a deal for a goalie because personally I'm kind of done with the David Riddick experiment. Like he starts hot, he's a fun guy to watch, but he just, he's not doing it when it, when it matters and you know what's the point then cam talbot is really good and i think you bring him back you know devoid of other options but he's still 33 years old and that's proven that he can fall off at a certain point so i'm just i i think this team's got to look a little further than the immediate future yeah because i mean if you look at the free agent list i listed a few i think it was about eight of them seven of them in the article Braden holpe obviously no i mean he made 6.1 he'll make good money just based on name same with Robin Lanner, uh, Corey Crawford. No, thanks. I'm all set. Uh, Jacob Markstrom, you know, Anton Kudobin, he's available. You know, Mike Smith, no, I'm good. Uh, Craig Anderson, you know, Ottawa's freeing him up. But there's the only goalies on that list that made money comparable to Talbot was Mike Smith. He made $2 million, and Kudobin made $2.5 million. So very similar. Everybody else was upwards of, you know, almost $5 million. Markstrom made three point six, but still you still have David Riddick under contract. So you got to find something to do unless he becomes trade bait. And, you know, I don't know if you know, big snag zag, cause I'm not going to try to say his actual name is close to being ready. John Gillies is, I might as well be John Gillies at this point with the flames. Um, and, you know, and I don't think any like Parsons, you know, Wolf is not even close to being ready. So they need, some, it's again, I feel like the flames didn't plan properly with goaltending and we're, okay, the Flames need a backstop for three or four years until somebody's ready. You know, I always feel like they're in that position. There's never, you know, we've been backstopping it since Mika Kiprasov left, you know, and that's been way longer than four years. So, you know, hopefully one of these young kids will work out, but 
I'm big on bringing Talbot back. I, I mean, if you give him, you can give it to him one year deal at a time. I don't care. I'd be fine with that. Um, so, but I think we're all pretty close to being in the same boat. I think Gordy's a little more, you know, rather find somebody else. But yeah, I could see the Flames maybe packaging Riddick and somebody for something, you know, to, to bring in another goalie. But um, the way Talbot played, I don't see how you can't really lean on him next season. But that's just me, and I'm not a GM, so what do I know? Um, I guess wrapping it up, the flame season as a whole, um, Maddie, I think you mentioned it earlier. I believe the word was inconsistent. Um, everybody agree that could be like the, you know, instead of hashtag C of red, it's just to be like hashtag inconsistent with the big flaming C is the consistent, inconsistent part. Um, Maddie, uh, is that, do you think that's a right term for Calgary's uh, 20? With that being said, this season was an absolute crap show with the season being shut down, the weird playoff bubble, uh, a racist coach being fired mid-season, TJ Brody collapsing, um, maybe hashtag weird. I don't know. Maddie, what are your thoughts on 2019-20 uh, Flames? Yeah, I think weird is a good way to to put it. Um, I'm still having a bit of trouble, I think, uh, like negotiating how I'm feeling about the end result because I, I definitely think part of me is like with all of the stuff that they've had to go through this season, um, even, you know, completely barring the season getting postponed, um, like your coach getting fired and like all of the weird injury stuff they've had to deal with. Um, you're not super supposed to make the playoffs in, in those situations or like it's, far from a sure thing um but yeah I I'm trying not to get super super fussed about that but at the same time I still feel like there's a lot more that this team could have done um so I'm in a a weird murky middle area no that's fine and I think that perfectly describes the season murky middle you know it's very you know, it's in, it's not black and white season. It's very gray uh, right down the middle. Gordy, your thoughts? Yeah, this is definitely one of the most, this is one of the most event-packed seasons, you know, stuff that hasn't happened in a long time. There's the heritage game, the coach, the, you know, COVID. It's definitely going to be a season that, you know, we're going to remember for a long time and probably not for all good reasons, but yeah, I'm 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 uncomfortable thinking about being at that Heritage game in October and thinking that that's the same hockey season as we're in now. Like that feels like a lifetime ago. But yeah, that's a good point, Michael. Your thoughts? Yeah, I it it was a long season, that's for sure. Um, I really don't know. Just kind of like everyone else, I don't really know how to describe it. Like. I mean, I'm impressing, man, just kind of turn around how poor the season started to at least uh, get into a playoff spot. Because I think it was something like uh, pre-Bill Peters getting fired, they were looking a lot like that uh, last year under Glenn Dalton where it looked like they weren't even going to make the playoffs and get another high draft pick. So at least they kind of got into the playoffs and made a bit of a name for themselves. But just the whole year was just a mess from, like, the fall-off of all those top guys from last year who – just didn't come close to the points they put up before and just the team as a result falling off the cliff. I think it was just a frustrating year and ultimately I think it was going to be a wasted year. They had a bunch of these UFA defenders, a bunch of these guys in the core getting a year older, getting closer, getting re-up. I think it's just going to look, we're going to look back on it as a wasted chance for Flames to have done something with this group. 
It's a great point, Michael, too, because a lot of these guys, Goudreau's up in two years. I believe that means Monaghan. All those guys are up around the same time. So, yeah, that's one more year of this core that's uh, not doing anything in the playoffs. Um, I was going to do a core question, but I think we answer a little bit of that in the, pod, the um, round table. But, I mean, if you want to do a yes or no real quick, um, Michael, is it time to break the core of the Flames up? Not saying don't name anybody that needs to be traded, but is it time to uh, maybe shuffle the deck a little? I think you stay away from the big name that Eric Francis mentioned, but yes, I, there's another player who I think I'd be all over trading in a heartbeat if we get the right deal for it. Gordy, I yeah, I think you gotta, I think you gotta shuffle something big at this point. Maddie, uh, yeah, and I think Michael and I are on the same page there, but um, yeah, I I would go like, like one move. I don't need like a wholesale retooling of the core what you guys can't see at home right now is maddie's putting on her philadelphia flyers number 13 johnny gaudreau jersey (laughs) (laughs) no no we'll leave it at that all right well guys thanks for coming on this afternoon talking flames hockey i hope uh, everybody out there enjoys this podcast i think we covered a little bit without making this sound like a funeral for the flames um even though they did die earlier this week we kind of i think we set it up relatively uh reasonably and i think we had some level-headed takes so um guys thanks again for coming on if you enjoyed this podcast please look for us you can find us on spotify itunes iHeartRadio, and google podcasts just search matchsticks and gasoline or the tinderbox you can also find us on twitter at matchsticks cgy our website is matchsticks and gasoline that's all spelled out and no ampersand matchsticks and gasoline.com and you can find us on facebook just search matchsticks and gasoline So thank you all for coming on. We appreciate you guys listening, and we will catch you next time on the Tinderbox.